There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This week on The Mike Wise Show, our guest is one of the most fun members of the NBA family. He's the white mamba, and he's standing by. But first, darling, do your thing! The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? This week on The Mike Wise Show, a guy I've been trying to get on forever. Okay, not that long, but but still. Brian Scalabrini, the White Mamba, welcome to the program. Mike, you, you sent me one DM. No, actually, <laughs> you told me to follow you back. I follow you back instantly. Then you asked me to come on. I'm like, yeah, all right, let's get it done. And I'm not one of these guys. Like, do people ask you, hey, Mike, I need you on my podcast two weeks from tomorrow. Like, I can't. I can't I'm now. Can we do it now? Like, <laughs> right now, I can do it now. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing two weeks from tomorrow. I'm not going to – I can't I can't even tell my wife two weeks from tomorrow I can go on a date. I'm definitely not telling you I'm going on the podcast. Mike hits me, Scout. Now, I hit him with now. We're getting it done. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Like, uh, you have all kinds of insights. One, I know you were passionate about this morning – um, and I, on the NBA serious show with my friend, Frank Isola, the, the Kevin Love, uh, you know, brain, brain fart, uh, laziness, childish, just slap at the ball, your thoughts. I mean, I, I saw the video and I was just like, that's the kind of stuff you do at the park at the end of like the, you know, the, the community nah, center run. Mike, Mike. Mike, if you wouldn't, if you were on my team, you wouldn't do that at the park. I promise you. And I, or you, I, you would hear it from me, and you would never play with me again. That's mm. there's lines that you draw, right? Like I, like we're all players. We've all played, and we've all been frustrated. Jeez, me more than anybody. I was frustrated that I wasn't very good. You know, like that's like everyone's frustrated, but you don't like hurt your team with your frustration, or at least you don't like outright try to do it. You know, and I'm and I'm fine. Like. I'm one of these guys. I'm cool, man. You make mistakes. It's all good. But I'm really down on 13 minutes of my statement with no questions either. You know, don't you think you got to open it up like, Kevin, do you need to change the scenery? Kevin, do you think that, uh, like, it's just best to move on? You had a great year here. You won that championship. But maybe it's time. Maybe you're frustrated because of the losing. And maybe they need to get rid of you, too. So no questions. That was frustrating. And I'm, and I'm a little bit down on the precedent that it might set around the uh, the NBA. I, I think you're right. And I, I know it's hard. To, like, it, it's amazing to me. You guys have the passion you do every day because it's painful to watch some of these games before the playoffs because you can see guys basically, you know, giving up layups, get, uh, red carpet defense and not getting out and getting in someone's grill on the perimeter. And it's and unless you're fighting for a job, I get it. You're, you're trying to get right and ready for the playoffs and you don't want to exhaust yourself. But that kind of stuff, 
it just it felt like it was LeBron-esque from uh, game five with the against the Celtics years ago when he was in Cleveland before Miami, where it's just like, wait, you, you need to go if you're this unhappy. Yeah, Mike, I think there's um, I think there's a way to fix this. Like we we really missed the boat. They they thought the supermax contract would keep players. Um, I think we need to incentivize players with their contracts moving forward when they play well in the regular season. And maybe it's something along the lines of some absurd amount of money, but very, very short-term contracts. So if you have a Julius Randle type of year, maybe you should be allowed to make $45 million the next year. And then if you do it again, maybe you should be allowed to make $45 million the next year. So I just don't feel like for in the NBA right now, you had at the start of the season 30 guys trying to win an MVP. And then once those guys got hurt and now they're not a part of that discussion, I don't think those guys are playing hard anymore. And so what is the incentive for guys to bring it? So I, I, I wish there was a way to incentivize the regular season so we don't so, – so, you know, when people vote at the end of the year – and I don't think first, second, or third team all NBA. I think it needs to be more expansive than that. There has to be a way to you can and, – and these guys are smart. And the collective bargaining agreement is 800 pages. So there has to be a way – for them to figure out where guys will bring it every single night. And it's not just to for seeding or it's not just for if you're on your original team who you were drafted by, you'll get a super max contract. I want to find out ways to incentivize players for bringing it throughout the regular season. You're, you're, you speak into the choir because the whole load management thing, one, it sounds like a bowel movement. It doesn't even sound like resting yourself. It, and two, it's just like, you know, is if you're that one kid that gets a shot to go to a game with his dad a year and and Steph Curry is is on load management, and it breaks your heart. You know, like it yeah. doesn't do anything for you as a as a fan growing up and, and embracing the league. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe less games is the answer. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you play your division, you know, uh, three times each and then you go out and you just play, you know, each team one time. I don't, I don't yeah. know. It'd be, it would be, it'd be nice to see if the NBA can make some adjustment. Clearly this year during the pandemic, you know, I get it. Like there's not a lot of, not a lot of fans in the building anyways, but I get it this year. It's, there's too many games. And, you know, with the fact that player teams are playing back to back at home. So, yeah. you know, there's no, there's no fan fatigue or anything like that because there's just not that many seats available, but I do think there's, there this could be a good time. Just like, like the pandemic has probably will improve life some way, you know, like in the future, in the next five years, I don't know, like there'll be some things, maybe it's zoom calls. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe the NBA can take in the next five years and really improve what they did. Like for instance, when they went to the bubble, the playing tournament, that was awesome. And wow. they picked it up this year. It will, I think I really do believe that those three games that we see during the playing tournament will be awesome. And now that can keep on going forward. So hopefully the NBA can find out some ways to incentivize the regular season because I do think like the hardcore NBA fans are a little bit frustrated with what we're seeing this year. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons I brought you on, uh, not only because uh, I've always liked your commentary and I've been on with you and Frank, but more so I, I like what, I love what you said about the Jokic MVP, Nicole Jokic. This is a guy, Jokic, who's, who's clearly had the best season in the league for a, for a team that's, you know, a, a legitimate contender. And to me, if, if I was voting when I voted, that's what I always thought. If, if you had one of the best seasons in the league, if not the best on, on a title contending team, um, and I think the Nuggets are, even though LeBron gets healthy and who knows, um, 
I feel like it's it's an obvious thing, and yet you're you said on the serious program, and you're right. Only the media has acknowledged it, and it's almost like players, fans, everybody else is like, "Wait, wait a minute, hold on. We're, yeah. we're not going to give this up right away." I don't get no. it. I don't. It's like the media who has votes, Mike. It's going to be a landslide for anybody that like follows the NBA. His impact, the fact that he's played in all the games, like all that stuff matters. But maybe it's hard for you know the NBA players, and maybe it's hard for fans to look at. Like Jokic is a generational talent. If you love basketball and you watch him, I watch him and I laugh. I'm laughing on air when I'm supposed to keep it serious. Like he makes the simplistic, simplistic play, and that is that. I'm I'm sorry. He makes the difficult play look so simple when he's out there, and it's comical to me how he dominates the game. And how it's comical to me how he destroys guys inside out. You got Rudy Gobert on me, I'm going to pop and get 50 on him. You put a small guy on me, I'm going to go into the block. You double team me, I'm going to pick you apart. And guys go out, it doesn't matter. Whoever's playing with Jokic is a plus. So so it's a hands-down thing. But players, and they did the same thing with Steph Curry. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's like this. I think when the media loves a guy – I think the players initially was like, oh, we can't like the same people that the media like. Totally. They don't know. And now, like, after Steph Curry won and he's an all-time great player, now the players start giving him the credit. When the media goes like, all right, now who are we looking for? Some real Giannis doesn't get a ton of credit. You know, now it's Jokic. And it's like the new guy that comes along, it's like, ah, we're not going to like the same people the media likes. Yeah. Like the guys on TNT. It was funny how Shaq was saying that like Embiid is the MVP. The guy missed like a quarter of the season. Uh, he had a great season, but you're right. He wasn't. He, he wasn't. A, he, you know, jo- uh, Jokic wasn't hurt. I for Steph Curry about five years ago before he got the second one. He said, "I said something to me. I go, Do you think guys look down on you because you know basically you're this light skinned brother who was the uh, son of a former player. And he almost like, you got to th- like, he almost said like there was some little racial component, almost like I wasn't black enough or something. And, and at first I thought, okay, is there a racial issue with Jokic? I think we're past all that now. I don't think guys think if you're born in the hood that some guy from Europe is taking my job now and I can't respect, I don't no. think that's it at all. I think it's what you said. There's this reluctance to give the new guy the respect he deserves even though he's, you know, and plus, let's be honest, the guy you measure is vertical with a, a Metro card. And yeah. like, and and to me, like my 10 year old, I just show him, I go, look at this guy. He plays with an economy of movement and he, and he's burying people just because he knows how to play the game. Yeah. But, but there's also one thing, the players, like there's always a battle between the players and the media. It's not, I think it's, probably going the other way it, yeah. it wasn't like it was like when i've heard in the 80s that the players in the media would hang out and they'd go have a beer after the games and and the and the media people would write the tough story and the players would be like yeah you're right i wasn't very good i got to be better and, and it's very like like well that's the media they don't know what they're talking about and we're the players and we know exactly what we're talking about but you know i i, I do think it will be interesting because there's a lot of media that likes to placate the players and it'll be interesting if they end up, you know, like following suit to what the players are saying. 
when it's clear as day to anybody that follows the game that Jokic is the most valuable player in the NBA for many reasons. And I would, and I would, I even went a step further today, Mike. Yeah. Like, can we give Julius Randle his due? Ugh. Can we give Chris Paul his due? Can we give Damian Lillard his due? And even Steph Curry his due as well. Can we give those guys who are not LeBron, Harden, KD, you know, not the big giant name, and maybe even Giannis in this situation, even though Giannis has taken a few more games off this year. Like, can we reward the guys who are showing up every day? I'm telling you, Mike, mm. if Damian Lillard took 10 games off, he would average five more points a game because he would just be fresh. There is a little bit of battle of attrition here. And the mm. guys who are playing night in and night out and still putting in the numbers, how do we not associate that with dominance? That is hard to do night after night after night. Uh, great point. I mean, the, the whole consistency angle has been thrown away. Um, I remember Shaq back in the day, like you, when you played uh, right before, uh, he was basically like, hey, the three-peat, before the three-peat, he was like, as long as we get right and ready. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, they went in as a third seed. They could have been the all-time greatest team, but they went in as a third seed and Kobe and Shaq were healthy because they had all these you know, issues and and but he knew that once they got to the playoffs, they could be, you know, they could be better and they could be right and ready. So you're right. There's I, there's got to be an incentive. I know it's it, the union will never go for what Jeff Van Gundy used to say. It was like, you know, give guy give money to the winners. We'll see guys fight tooth and nail over. But, uh, you know, that's never going to happen. No direct deposit. Like right. just a, like a. Can you imagine like a, a big giant sack with a dollar <laughs> sign like in the cartoons back in the day and the and yeah. captain goes up and grabs it? Hey, like, yeah, right. No. They split it up. You yeah. like splitting that up. Well, you um you people you always mock yourself as a player. I, I was personally and uh, I think it's fun to say, oh, the white mom, you're like, dude, you you were a second round pick. And you lasted, you know, like 12 years. You had like a 12-year professional career. When you talk yeah, about overseas. I was fortunate, Mike. I mean, here's, here's the thing. And, and so, here's like, and you you worked hard. You hit a lot of big jumpers. You turned into a much better three-point shooter. And I know you still got game because you were busting guys' asses in the big three. So, like, no. so I, I kind of laugh. Uh, like, it, it's almost like a, a sort of, a, you know, like a lazy narrative. Like, oh, Scal, you know, he had to go to the house. He really could have played. No, he had a freaking good career. Well, Mike, so – I is fortunate and I really, and I'm, I'm not just blowing smoke. Like me being on the a rotational player on the New Jersey nets and they're going to the finals Kid. my first year and second year I, I learned and playing for me, it's always been like this, Mike playing with superstar players. And it's easier. It's, it's, it's easy for a lot of guys to play with superstar players, but it was real easy when you're playing with Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Rajon Rondo, you know, you're playing with uh, Jason Kidd, Kenyon Martin, like you're playing with like the, these guys, Richard Jefferson, Kerry Kittle, like you're playing with like elite players. It is so easy to go out there for me and, and do my role because Mike, like a little secret, I was never a star. I wasn't a star in yeah. high school. I wasn't a star in junior college, wasn't a star in, at four year. I was never a star. So I was like a supreme role player and it just, Fit with the teams that I was on so so I was that's fortunate if I was on another team I got drafted by a team that was not very good who yeah. are the first people they're letting go when the season doesn't turn out that well the 12th man when you go to the yeah. finals what do they do they bring back the 12th man so I, and, I, and no question that Mike I had to work and I worked hard every single day 
you know, sometimes twice a day, whatever I had to do, but it, it was, I was fortunate and that's, and that's just being realistic. And just like some other guys have misfortune. They just get mm. drafted to the wrong team. And there's probably 30% of the NBA that are going to be really good no matter what. And I think the rest of us kind of interchangeable, you know, there's overseas guys that are better yeah. just didn't get the right opportunity. I, I saw it with like when I covered the Knicks back in the day, like I used to go to a Y and try to play and there'd be always some guy that was just dunking over people. And I go, what's the difference between that guy and John Starks? Like, you know, he could shoot. He could, John Starks, man, he, he had this and he had a work yeah. ethic that was incredible. And, and, you know, and that was you in many ways. Um, this, two more for Brian Scalabrini because he's got a huge busy schedule. I, um, I had a conversation with, I don't know, do you know Andy Thompson, Clay's uncle at all? Uh, a little um, bit. NBA I, I photographer I guy. Yeah, he, he was around, but yeah. Yeah, great dude. He was an NBA photographer. Like, uh, he's been with the NBA forever. Andy, um, we had a great conversation about three years ago at the uh, Marriott. I was showing him clips because I was such a proud dad, and I'm sure you'll be the same. Like, show him clips of my son playing this AAU tournament and splitting these kids from the gauchos and thinking, this is my dad. My son's going to be white. And I go, but then I, and I told him, I said, yeah, but you know, all these kids, uh, all these kids, African-American kids, like they just play more. They play like, what shouldn't I get? And he goes, he looks at me, he goes, that's the problem right there. And I go, what do you mean this problem? He goes, because we just did a PSA with all the NBA guys. And we thought, let's get a recognizable white player. The only guy we could come up with at that time was Kevin Love. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. he goes, it's, he goes, I, and we both agreed that like, we're at a point where guys are crossover stars now. Color doesn't matter. But he did say that he didn't think there were, he thought there were a lot of, you know, white parents now that pushed their kids toward other sports because they were scared to compete for scholarships with a, and I thought, that's ridiculous. He goes, let your kid play as long as he wants. As a kid growing up, you know, in, in Washington and later playing at USC, mm -hmm. did your parents ever steer you away from hoops? Nah, nah my mom, like, uh, Mike, it's so different now. Yeah. And I I played seven AAU games. Like this, like this conceptualized that. Wow. My my daughter, who's now 14, has probably played in 70, you know, or like hundred games, right? And we we just like I, come on, man. I just went to the park and I played every day. And and my version of playing against better players was when the guy got off work, he was 24 years old and I was 14. Like there's no, there's no better player. And when you're young to go against like a grown man who played in high school, you know, like you were going to get toasted. So I grew up like that. And, um, but I, I just, here's the thing, Mike, and this is, I struggled in life until I found sports and sports was why I felt normal. Like everywhere else, I didn't feel normal. Socially, I didn't feel normal. Basketball, uh, on the, in, in the classroom, I didn't feel normal. But anytime I was competing, it was like this free-for-all to do whatever you want. You could be hyper-focused on one thing. So, so that trumps like intimidation. When, when I, like, I know that I know a lot of kids or white kids going to a, a gym and they're the only white guy there. Like a lot of people would look at that all I saw was this is a chance to hoop. Like I, I, I know right. it. I know it existed. I'm not stupid. I understand it existed. But when it was sports and competition was like a drug. Oh. I was an addict, and I needed it. And and like drug addicts will do whatever it takes to get it, <laughs> and they don't care what they're doing. Right? And you were a hoop addict. Yeah, I had to compete, and it didn't matter. <laughs> People were green or there were killers out there. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. I needed my fix and I was going to get it no matter what. And then yeah. 
Mike, when I would play against my friends and I started getting better and I'd play against my friends, thinking this is like very much drug yeah. addict like. And we'd go to the park and I just, I, we went 11 0. And my friends were like, you can't play anymore. So I got in my little car and I drove to Seattle and I found <laughs> runs there, which was, it was an hour away because That's I needed awesome. my fix, right? And Mike, I was never satisfied when I won, ever. It was like a yeah. wasted day. I wanted to lose day after day after day. I had to lose. And so like black guys, white guys in the gym, this, that craziness, fights going on. Like I didn't care. I needed my fix and I was going to get it. And that was my yes. life. And that was my life from the time I'm 17 years old until even now, like I'm yeah. playing tonight. I'm going to an AAU practice and I'm going to like bust up a bunch of kids because I, and I'm not as bad now. I need a fix. I need my, I need my hit. My hit is competition. Oh, that's so good. I like so I identify with a lot of I was never nearly as good as you played NAI. Was the guy in the NAI team at Hawaii Pacific been like we're down 20? Like, why is you can't hurt us? Go in. But yeah. it was like I when I was growing up in Hawaii, like the same thing, like I went to Barber's Point, this military base, and it was like all all you know, all African American guys that were men. But it was like this, this pride thing that like, oh, oh, it's Bird. All right, come here, Bird. Like, and it was like a pride thing if they called you a good white player. And it was yeah. sort of like, wow, you're accepted. Totally. All right, th this has been great. Uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. You've got a Celtics championship ring. You know that team better than anyone as an analyst and someone who's like, can these guys that are stumbling to the finish line, can they turn it around? I don't think he's actually turning it around, Mike. And this yeah. sounds like an excuse. And I, at, at the beginning, I didn't, I didn't like this excuse. But the role players aren't very good, and their starters are very good. And they're, and I think there are about eight guys that I would really count on. You know, your bigs are Tristan Thompson uh, and Robert Williams. You go, you know, Tatum Brown, Kemba Smart. You you go with Peyton Pritchard. Um, I mean, who mm -hmm. am I forgetting right now? Uh, Jump in, Evan Bruce. Fournier. Evan Fournier. <laughs> so you, you've got like, and playoff rotation is yeah, going to be eight. I do think, Mike, I do think this team can win if they, if they're all eight are playing. But I, and I actually don't think if they're missing one or two guys, I actually think you're, it's too much to overcome. So they might just do it by committee. And by the way, I could be wrong, but I'm done. I'm done like emotionally investing in mm -hmm. nine through 15 saying, like, you know, like I'm projecting my life into them. This is an <laughs> unreal opportunity for right. you to establish who you're going to be for the rest of your life. This game is not a meaningless game to do to, to you. This is a Super Bowl for you. Yeah. Like the Oklahoma City game was your Super Bowl for you to establish yourself as a player that they can count on. And the, people ignored that. When I played and I got my chance, it was life or death. It was life or right. death. And I had to deliver or else, man, like. And I would know, and I knew it was coming, and players would go out, and I would have outer body experiences because this is my opportunity. But I feel like these guys are just like, I, I really, Mike, they're guys, some of these guys were laughing and joking on the sideline when we were down uh, by 10 to Oklahoma City the other day. I just like, so I'm done that, with that. I'm, I'm just putting my, all of my emotional uh, eggs into the basket of the top eight guys, and hopefully these guys deliver, and we'll see what happens. You just wish someone in their family, Brad, or somebody they listen to just went up to him and say, you know, there's guys who give their left arm to play one possession in the NBA, one For possession, sure. and you're given an opportunity to play some real minutes, do something with it, or you're done. Like, it's just so, 
I, it kills me because it's like there's nothing worse than wasted opportunity. Yeah, nothing. Mike, Mike, like um the funniest story. Here's a funny story for you. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. This is my teammates in New Jersey, like they got it, and I would, I would, I would not hide the fact that I knew I was not better than them, and I was ready every day. And so, um, one day we're in the ho- we're in the hotel. And the guys, you know, they're all dressed up and they're going out to Miami Beach, right? Elevator door opens up and they see me there. And like, what's up, Scout? I got my gym <laughs> clothes on. And we're getting they're like, what are you doing? And they're like, you know, I'm like, I'm heading to the gym, man. And they're, and I'm, and they're like, why? I'm like, because you guys are going to be out all night and I got to be ready. <laughs> like, you guys stay all the time you need in South Beach. Do whatever you need to do. You, I'll let you know right now. Tomorrow, if you don't have it, I'm ready. I don't need your minutes, but if you want to give them to me, I'm ready. The elevator door opens. I get off from the gym. They go out to South Beach. The next night, I don't know, I played like 25 minutes that night. But that's like, you, you can't. That's awesome. If, if I'm another person, I'm like, oh, man, I should go hang out with my guys on South Beach. No, that's not how this works. We, you should we tell those guys. Talk- why, why can't you tell those guys that story? I don't, I don't nine through fifteen Celtics. Got to. I won't tell my kids this story. They got to figure uh, out on their own right, okay. how this thing is going to work. And yeah. there are going to be guys that are going to be like, "Hey, I'll, you know what, Mike? I can go out in Utah. I can. I'm pretty sure the next night in Utah, I'm never, They're not going to need me. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few cities where I'm good. Uh, like, that's hilarious. If it's a Monday night in uh, uh, Indiana, I'm good. Like I, I can go out that night. But you guys, if, you guys got to do it on the weekend. I got to be ready. I got to be ready. This is a segment. I'm going to text Isola. This is a segment. the The cities in the cities where you might not get the run you think. Uh, the cities you will: Atlanta, Miami, oh, yeah. uh, New York. You know, like oh, that's hilarious. All right, man. Well, this has been great, and uh, and best of luck to you the rest of the season. I hope to see you in person when this freaking COVID thing completely ends. All right, Mike. Hey, you All know right. what? DM me or whatever anytime. <laughs> All right. See you, Brian. That was dope. Thanks to my guest, Brian Scalabrini, for his time and insight. Thanks also to my producer, Bruce Bernstein. Bruce, hit us with those promos. Thank you, Mike. Isn't Scal the best? I love that guy. You know, Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, after Tommy Heinsohn died, Celtics legend, Scal stepped in as their TV analyst, and he's been really, really good. He fits just like a glove in there. So uh, thanks, Scal, for for all you do. Thanks to our incredible editor, Kristen Woolley. Please check out all of our Pure Hoops media shows, Full Court with Jenny Fisher and Kara Kay, with the best in college hoop each Tuesday. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin every Wednesday. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Mike's pal Monica McNutt and King McClure drops on Thursday. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast each Friday. And, of course, my man Mike with a new Mike Wise show every Monday. And if you'd like to hear some selected choice discussions from all of our shows, subscribe to the Pure Hoops Media Quick Hitters. And please check out our YouTube channel with many great segments like Mike's incredible interviews with Lakers Governor Jeannie Buss. Mark Cuban, Mark Lazary, the Bucks owner, and the very last sit down with the late NBA commissioner, David Stern. Go to YouTube, search for Pure Hoops Media, Mike. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, we'd like to welcome another sponsor to our program. It's unbelievable the, the sponsors we're picking up now. This one is, of course, an old favorite. Rug Doctor, steam and matted dirt, carpet cleaning disaster, rug doctor. All right. 
Thanks, Roy, doctor. We are one day closer to beating the COVID-19 pandemic into submission. When you qualify for the vaccination, please get it. But until the country reaches herd immunity, keep your guard up. I got my shots a couple weekends ago. I think at least 30 to 40% of the country has it now. We're going in the right direction. Wear the mask in public to protect yourself and others until the CDC or someone in your school or work tells you it's okay not to. Wash your hands, keep your distance, and be considerate of others. And don't listen to that idiot Joe Rogan or Tucker Carlson. And if you know a nurse, doctor, or frontline worker, tell them thanks and keep them in your prayers. Until next time, aloha. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.